Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Dan. I'm your host, Richard Pereira. And joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys. How's it been going? No, we are on spring break, but got a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, uh, good to be in the swing of things. Spring break, nice, well-deserved break off of school. But as we all know, sports don't stop. We're in the swing of things, you know, basketball, women's and men's. We're getting ready for the conference tournament. So we're highly anticipated for that. And, you know, baseball and softball as well. They're going through the motions, got through their first week or two of games. So they're starting to really solidify where they're feeling themselves in the season. But there's still a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of things to cover. And I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, no, the the break from school is uh, wonderful, um, to say the least. But... Uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about uh, sports-wise. Um, tournament coming up this weekend, CUSA, for men's and women's. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yep. And we're first going to go over FEU men's basketball. Um, they ended the regular season on a very strong note, uh, blowing out Rice 103-74 to this past Thursday. And then in their season finale, they were down for, for a while against Louisiana Tech. Then they came back fighting as they pulled out a 76-72 win over Louisiana Tech to finish the regular season with a 28-3 record, 18-2 in conference play, with a four-game winning streak attached to that. And after that, uh, just announced this afternoon, um, Conference USA released its annual awards. And Dusty May, of course, who, who would have thought, with the best record in Conference USA and, and pretty much the best in the whole country, Dusty May takes home Conference USA's Coach of the Year Award. And then when it comes to the player side of things, Elijah Martin, Janelle Davis get on the first team. Uh, Vlad Golden, he gets on third team. Mate, shout out to him for his improvements from last season to now. And of course, for Janelle Davis, who was the biggest player to come out of nowhere with his performances off the bench and in the starting lineup as well, he takes home Conference USA's Sixth Player of the Year Award. You know, a, a lot, a very great year for FU men's basketball throughout the regular season. These awards, it's just the, cher- the cherry, uh, cherry on top, really. So, guys, what do you think of the way FU men's basketball were able to end their regular season? You know, I'm very impressed with how they finished out the season. It's very easy, you know, when you get towards the end, you've already accomplished what you set out to do. You know, we had already cut the net before going on that last road trip, so we've we really weren't playing for anything, but the fact that we still go out and win in dominant fashion, then the last game of the year against Louisiana Tech had that come from behind win. It kind of just exemplifies that there's no quit in this team at all. Like no matter what the stakes are, we continue to play our best basketball uh, night in and night out. And it's truly impressive to see. And, you know, you said it best, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, just having our players be awarded for how hard they've worked this season is really nice to see, you know, coach Dusty May, I think we're projected before the season, like a fourth or fifth, like to finish in our conference. Um, And the fact that we came out on top undefeated at home, you know, so many memorable moments throughout this year. And we still have many more memories to make, you know, we have high expectations set for ourselves going into this conference tournament. So hopefully we can live up to that. But, you know, regardless of what happens from here on out, there's nothing to hang their head on. They've had a fantastic season. They've done everything that they could have possibly imagined. And 
I, I couldn't be prouder as a fan or as a student of FAU. Right. Um, for just first off, congratulations to everyone, all four of those guys who got the rewards. Um, much deserved, and it's nice to see them getting their recognition after, even after like such an amazing year like this. And um, looking at like the kind of the, the last road trip of the year, um, blew out Rice. Um, you know that was just great. Did everything they were supposed to. Um, but then I think I think that Louisiana Tech game um, really really was a great way to kind of roll into the postseason. Um, you know, going down like that and you know, kind of staying down until late in the game and, you know, coming back late. It's, it's really a kind of signature win, and it's how they've won games a bunch. They've played from behind a bunch of times this year. And, um, you know, it, it's just great not to see them, like, kind of get caught up in everything after winning the CUSA regular season. And, you know, Zach, you, you were kind of right. Like, they didn't have much to play for, but in in the kind of, in the different sense, they kind of have a, still had a lot to play for because I feel like um, – looking at the postseason now it's kind of when and you're in looking at March Madness because I feel like even with their resume the selection committee is going to kind of look for every reason not to put them in um which brings me to the kind of the conference tournament um I think they getting getting that like I said last week that one seed was big they're not they're on a different side of uh the bracket than Louisiana Tech which is big and that first round by and looking at it who who they catch in the second round, it's either Western Kentucky and UTEP. And they've been, they've handled all, um, all four of those games they've had against those two teams. So, um, yeah, uh, it looked, they, they really look good going into the, the tournament, but it's, it, you, I feel like you kind of have to win every game and win the tournament if you want to get in. I don't think you can leave it up to the committee to give you an at-large bid because I just feel like they're going to favor, um, you know, a North Carolina with as many losses they have more than FAU or a Duke or just one of those big power five schools. They're going to look for every reason not to put FAU in there. So just don't leave it up to chance. You got to win out. Yeah. And I would definitely understand that Cameron. Um, when it comes to this team, my expectation for them is to at the very least get to the title game. Because by then, you it, they, it would put you less at risk of missing out on March Madness. And, you know, they do have their first round by because they have the top spot clinched to themselves. Um, and, of course, Western Kentucky and UTEP, as you mentioned, Cameron, these two teams, FE were able to beat quite handily, especially UTEP. Like, UTEP's a lack of shooting from the perimeter is going to play to – is going to – is a big advantage to FU's defense. And of course, Western Kentucky, it's just, the, it's just a matter of uh, consistency. And we see that at the end of the season, they were unable to handle a defense like North Texas. Like they couldn't even reach the 40 point mark in a whole 40 minute game. So it's just a matter of just taking care of business in the quarterfinals against either of these two teams. And then moving on to the semifinals and you would have either Bill Tessie or Charlotte. So who are pretty good teams themselves. So, and then in the final, you could either have UAB, North Texas. Well, you know, it's just the other top two team, the other, the teams behind FEU in the standings, like those are the best teams this conference has to offer outside of FEU. So it's just a matter of just really 
taking each game one at one at a time, just not rushing things, just making the right plays as much as possible, and you know, get to the title game. That's really all there is to it. So yeah. up to them. And of course, uh, when it, this tournament is taking place in Frisco, Texas, which Zach will also be making his way to for his Texas trip, watching FEU play in the tournament in hopes of winning the tournament. So, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a lot of fun there, Zach. I know that. Sure. So, oh, go on. Go on. on. Unless you want to add anything. Oh, no, just, um, I mean, it's going to be an interesting experience, you know, it's good to have, you know, some familiar faces from campus heading out there to support um, our guys uh, and our women's team, regardless, you know, I think one of the biggest things about road trips, because I mean, I'm sure this is neutral site for most teams other than the teams based out of the Texas area, but, you know, being in a new environment, you kind of have to make smaller adjustments out off the court, like whether it be like sleeping in or getting your routines that you aren't normally allowed to do when you're back at home, you know, it isn't the easiest thing in the world, but if there's anyone or any team capable of doing so, I do think it's the Owls. I, we've played exceptionally well on the road. We're more than we're better off at home, but even on the road, you know, we'll take the battle to others. So, you know, I'm more more than confident in our guys. Um, and as for our women's team, you know, all it takes is one win to get some momentum going, and we'll kind of touch up on them in a minute. But you know, I still have some high hopes for them as well heading into the conference tournament. Yeah, and yeah, speaking of women's basketball, that will be our next topic. Um, unfortunately, like men's bas- unfortunately, unlike men's basketball, they were unable to end their season on a good note. They lost 76-61 to Rice last Thursday, and then two days later lost 65-60. Close game for the home finale against Louisiana Tech. They're finishing the regular season with a 12-17 record, 5-15 in conference play which includes an eight-game losing streak and a lot of games lost in their last 10. So not the best way to end the season. But, of course, as you said, Zach, all it really takes is one win, and they could have that one win against UTSA starting on Wednesday at 3 p.m. on March 8th. So, so what do you guys think has to be done for this team to finally get, get themselves together, get that one win, really get things going? I think an important thing to point out is, you know, with UTSA being your first matchup, you did split with them in the regular season. Uh, it was kind of a weird scenario, though. You beat them at their house, and then they end up beating us at our house. So it being kind of neutral site, maybe that'll be a little bit better uh, for the two It was teams. the other way around, Zach. It was the other way around. Uh, it was the other way around? Yeah. Okay, we, yeah. We, uh, if you beat them at home and then lost to them on the road. Okay, well, okay, yeah, I see enough. But, you know, with that – scenario going down you know you've seen what it takes to beat this team and you've also seen what they've taken advantage of in your respect so I guess it's just back to the drawing board um, trying to build up a game plan because you've had a decent amount of time off heading into this tournament so I mean four days isn't a ton of time but you know enough to kind of piece things together maybe maybe make some adjustments you know hopefully the flight over will help clear your heads a little bit um, another thing I'll point out is the, the last game of the season, the loss to Louisiana Tech, you know, we had lost them earlier in the year, but that was, um, we had, we were able to close the gap in that regard. You know, we were able to fix our mistakes in some end. We were able to play better defense. You know, one of our biggest strengths for our women's team this season has been how dominant they've been on the boards. It's just kind of been that one quarter out of four. We've kind of fallen asleep on, but 
you know, when the stakes are the highest, like it will be in this tournament, maybe you don't have that slow quarter. Maybe everyone's playing their best version of themselves. Maybe everyone's on their A game. You know, that's what you hope for. Um, hopefully when the lights are the brightest, your stars tend to shine the most. Um, I know we have a ton of players out there that we talked about early in the year not being able to step up offensively uh, as a unit, but we have one or two stars shine out per game. Hopefully they're able to put that together as a team and really just kind of showcase what the true talents are of this women's roster. And I think we can do that. Yeah, coming off, um, what was it? Eight straight losses, you know, to finish 11th in the conference or last in the conference for the second straight year is, is, is tough. But um, there, there are things to like kind of feel positive about going into the tournament. Like Zach said, they, um, they split uh, the season series with uh, UTSA. And I, I think of those eight losses, you know, it's, you can't feel the best about a loss, but of those eight straight losses, they look the best against uh, uh, Louisiana Tech in the season finale. Um, the common theme, I think, through that eight-game skid was falling behind in the first quarter and, you know, although improving in the second quarter and then through the second half, they were just never able to dig themselves out of that hole. Um, that wasn't the case against Louisiana Tech. You know, I think going to the second quarter, they were down two. Um, and then the halftime deficit wasn't much larger than that. They weren't really playing from a large deficit. Um, it was more they kind of just kept it close all game and then fell apart. So I, it's a loss, but that's an improvement, I guess. They're, they kind of fixed what they were lacking in – now with this week off, maybe they can kind of build upon that um, and turn that maybe kind of that same thing and not tail off towards the end um, and turn it into a win against a team that they've already taken down once this year. Um, they, it wasn't that long ago that they played UTSA for the second time. So it's, it's a very familiar opponent. Um, and despite taking the 11th seed, I don't think it's a horrible matchup. Um, for FAU. So there are things, it is disappointing, disappointing way to end the season. There are things to feel positive about after a kind of four day reset heading into the tournament. And it's, it's basically a new season now. Yeah. They, it was kind of disappointing the way the season ended, but that honestly doesn't matter anymore. It's behind you. Um, every team is zero, zero and zero now. Yep. And when it comes down to it, it's really their offense that needs to come alive. Like they only have one scorer above double digits, and that's Anaya Hubbard, who has done tremendous in her freshman year. Of course, it's not perfect. Her free throw shooting could always be better. It's at 65%. She missed a lot of free throws at the charity stripe, but she is without a doubt their best offensive score, offensive player, and their best scorer. So uh, if they could get more scoring around her uh, for the tournament, and especially for next season, I think women's basketball will be on the upward trajectory. As they have been this season, they improved massively from their five-win season the year prior. But, of course, there's always work to be done to be much better. And this season showed that they still have a lot of work to do uh, at the offensive, offensively speaking. So best of luck to them. And hopefully they can pull out a win or two, maybe, maybe two, uh, for the tournament. And with that, we move on to FU baseball. After pulling out a tremendous upset win over number 22 Miami, at home, 6-5 win, 
with a spectacular performance from Nolan Shaniel, who fired away two home runs uh, last Tuesday. They were unable to keep that momentum going as they got swept in a three-game series at home to U- to the UConn Huskies, uh, losing Friday 6-4, Saturday 5-1, and 8-2 on Sunday in the finale. So not the best way to follow up with a win over Miami, but, you know, it, it happens. It happens. It, it's been a while since the baseball team had a series loss. This ha- the first time this happened was back in 2021. So it's been quite a while since they got swept. So now they just have to bounce back as they will head out to Florida, currently ranked number six in the country on for later tonight at 6 p.m. And then tomorrow, of course, at 6 p.m. as well. So what are your guys' thoughts on how FU should approach these matchups against the Gators? Well, it's very impressive to see how they played against Miami. I mean, opening up the season, it seemed the offense really carried their load for the most part. I think we were averaging like nine runs on double-digit hits through our first uh, series through like Monmouth, USF, and even our game at UCF. And then with the Miami game, you know, you finally play a top 25 opponent. You see what some of the best in the country look like, and you're able to beat them at, at their – or sorry, we're at home against that. So we were able to show one of the top teams in the country how well we were able to play um, but then to come out against UConn, you know, maybe I, I don't want to blame it on this, but, you know, maybe after coming off a big win, you just kind of like think like you can relax a little bit, but, you know, baseball's a tough sport. Anyone can be anybody on any given day. It's just kind of how it is across all sports. And this is just an exemplary fact of that, you know, UConn came to play, you know, they showed up in our house and shut us down. Um, I mean, only to see the bats kind of fall silent that way. And I think the best showcase of that was even in the last game, you know, even down eight to two going to the last inning, we had runners on the corners uh, with nobody out in the heart of our lineup in the plate. And, you know, usually that's a guarantee for runs to get put on the board to kind of give us a late rally at this. And we just kind of got shut down. And even coach Mack was like, that's unprecedented. Like I didn't even see it coming. Like it, it's just some things that happen. And, you know, it's especially tough when you have to turn around and immediately travel up to Gainesville and play the number six team in the country. Like that's an extremely difficult task to overcome, but, you know, maybe just taking one away and splitting the series up there, that can give you a huge momentum shift, especially since you're coming back home the week after and playing a four game series against Harvard. So, you know, this, these next two games can be very telling of where our minds at for our players and what we're going to be doing moving forward for the rest of the season. Cause right now, the like opening month of baseball season is your tone setter. You kind of set the tone for how you're going to, play the rest of the season out. And I think we really have to show these other teams, uh, not only in our conference, but out of conference, that we, we're a better team than we were last year. We're playing not only for a conference championship, but we're trying to play um, for an Omaha berth. So that's kind of how we have to look at it moving forward. Yeah. Uh, starting with kind of the Miami game, that was a, a really, really, really impressive win, especially kind of how it happened. Um, I think it was the third at bat of the game in the top of the first where um, I can't remember his name for Miami hitting nuke and at, at that was kind of um, kind of gave him the momentum it got their uh, their uh, dugout really fired up and it um, to kind of come back from that and to hold that an impressive offense like that and the number 22 at the time it was I think um, team in the nation to just five runs 
um, like Max said after the game like that. That that's really that's a really impressive win, and um, I, I I definitely I kind of I kind of agree with Zach that you know maybe um, they kind of maybe they let let that get to their heads a little bit, but maybe not because I'm I'm sure they understood like who UConn was because UConn's not a not a not a they're they're a very good team. They're probably one of the tougher teams they'll face all year. I think it, they were 20-something ranked before preseason. Um, yeah, and just the, bat, the bats, weren't, bats weren't working. They couldn't string together um, just a group, every, any like, groups of hits. It was anytime uh, they seemed to get a runner on, it was like pop out, fly out. It was a lot of, um, you know, three batter innings um, for them, and you're just not going to win a lot of baseball games playing like that. So, um just, I think it's come. It helps. He'll help them come down to earth a little bit, and that that's good. Going into the highest ranked team you're gonna face all season, probably. Um, so yeah, it, that that maybe the coming down to earth is is good a little bit. But um, look at Florida; they just they got to be able to string together hits. You can't be leaving runners on. Um, you can't be making errors. You can't. The margin of error is so small against a team like this. Um, so just clean baseball. You can't leave runners on. You have to take every scoring opportunity. Be aggressive on the base pads. Um, take advantage of every opportunity you have. Yep, definitely, definitely, Cameron. Best of luck to them heading on to Gainesville against the Gators, and of course, returning home to take on Harvard, who aren't exactly the best team. Haven't exactly been at their best season this season, but as we've seen against UConn, you can't underestimate your competition. So. Best of luck again. Once again, best of luck to them, especially against Florida. So, you know. And with that, that will conclude our section with FU sports. Now we head on to national sports, and for our lone topic in that area is the NBA. Well, LeBron's down for the count for the Lakers, but the Lakers are persevering. They are currently tied for one of the playing spots in the Western Conference as the Utah Jazz, Portland Trailblazers, and New Orleans Pelicans are starting to slip down a little bit with a couple of losses here and there. Um, the New York Knicks are red hot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they pulled off a pretty good win over the Celtics on the road, especially thanks to Emmanuel Quickly's spectacular game in the starting lineup in place of Jalen Brunson, who sat out that game due to a minor injury, who will be day-to-day. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, who had a pretty big winning streak, finally saw that end. Uh, but of course, they they now have the top spot. So, you know, guys, um, a lot of things happen in the NBA, but man, it's been quite entertaining. So, I want to know what you guys think of how the NBA looks at the moment with their standings. As it stands right now, uh, I don't think anything's changed much with the Eastern side. Um, I know teams have been rising up. Like I know the Knicks have been playing really well nine in a row. Um, it just seems like from a Celtics fan standpoint, it's not promising to see us lose so many games. Um, you know, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, just not help. And then like some unsung heroes just coming out of nowhere to beat us. I mean, you ha- you talk about Manuel quickly just stepping up in Jalen Brunson's spot. Like that that has to be a must win. And we just get absolutely dominated in that regard and then you know you look back at um the Brooklyn Nets bridges just absolutely 
picks us apart, demolishes us. Like, I don't know what to do there. Also, huge shout out to Michael Bridges. You know, he gets a new scenery, leaves Phoenix for a contender, kind of just shipped off to Brooklyn as whatever. And he's really stepped up and showed that like he just, all he needed was a chance. And, you know, he's become a, I'm not going to say superstar, but he's really stepped up um, in his position there for Brooklyn. So I'm really happy for him. You know, as for the Western side of things, you know, Lakers are still a big question mark because with LeBron being out, you really don't know how they're going to play. AD has made a blast. So, you know, it just seems like he never can stay on the court for multiple weeks at a time. Um, and then, of course, the whole John Morant debacle that's been going down in recent weeks. Like, I I, I don't even know what. <laughs> Very good opportunity for the Lakers to get a win tonight. Yeah, yeah. Memphis tonight, so very good chance to get a win and be in the playing spot. Yeah, I mean, you would hope, but knowing basketball, anything can happen. Um, you know, not to mention Brandon Clark being out for the rest of the season with a torn Achilles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they do lose a little bit of depth at the moment. Yeah, I mean, other than that, MVP races stay the same. I know I saw Tatum's stock rise a little bit. They're just throwing his name back in there. But it seems like Jokic is well on his way to winning a three-peat. And if he does, if he doesn't win a title this year, then that raises some major red flags for what the MVP award actually is. Because you can have as much stats as you want, but if you're not bringing home rings, I don't really care too much. But that's all I got to say. Yeah, no, I'm kind of on the same wavelength that my opinions haven't shifted too much. Like, looking at the Celtics, even with, like, the three straight losses, I don't – I don't want to tell you Celtics fans how to feel, but I, I, I really don't look at that like and think like. It, I don't. I don't think it sh- like kind of shifts my opinion on that, um, too much. Too I, I them two of those games were like two overtime games that happened both within like, twenty four hours, and I I just think the, especially the Knicks loss it tells me more about, New York than it does Boston, without um, being able to go toe to toe them like without Brunson. Um, that's and with Emmanuel quickly going for, I don't remember how many you said. Yeah, over thirty-five. Yeah, over thirty-five. That that's that's what you want to see. Yeah, um, yeah, that like a performance like that, whatever it came to, that's kind of like what you want to see, especially out of, you know, a, a kind of younger player like that. Um, so I think it's more telling of the improvements they're making um, than. Boston, you know, kind of falling off. I still think them that it's them and uh, Milwaukee's like conference to lose. And I think I think like the West is it. My opinion hasn't changed much. It's just going to be a shootout. I still think um, like the Lakers have the roster now to like get to that playing spot. Um, but yeah, my my opinions haven't haven't changed much. I will say I am praying for a series where we get Suns Mavericks somehow in the playoffs. I need seven games of that. I can peak basketball, but yeah. By the way, quickly had 38 against Boston. So 38. That's that's crazy. And that's what that's kind of the form you want like your young guys to be heading into the postseason. So that that's that's a great win for um New York. But yeah, as you were talking about Cameron, Suns, Mavericks, that would be a well, knowing Luca's hostility, Luka Doncic's hostility towards Phoenix, especially after the way he embarrassed them in seven, in Game Seven, uh, now that we see the Suns as they are right now with Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, um, 
you know, <laughs> even though for the match, it's really just Kyrie Irving and Luka, that is a series to, to must watch. That's must watch basketball. And a, a series like that would just be so good for the NBA because all season we've been talking about like how they haven't been able to like flex their games and, you know, dudes sitting out. So seven straight games of like four of like the best players in the world, like going at it would just be so great for the NBA and just so fun to watch. So I'm really hoping we get that. Even if that doesn't happen, uh, a good consolation would be Suns Warriors. Yeah, that would be a very close second. Uh, you know, the defending champions against what's supposed to be a super team. Um, I, I can't, I can't picture like any. I know I'm not gonna say, I don't want to say this, like knock on wood, but I can't picture in the West at least any really bad, like, like kind of blowout playoff series because it's just kind of everybody. It's kind of so even out there. I don't think I think we could get a bunch of um, like seven game down to the wire series out in the West in the playoffs. Uh, Zach, your your thoughts? Yeah, just in terms of playoff series. I mean, every year it seems like we have our matchmaking going on in our heads, what we'd like to see. But you know, not to try to put this out there, but there's so many things that can change from here to the end of the season. You know even seeing what's going on with John Morant, like players can get suspended injuries. Like there's so many things that could take away from us, obviously not trying to be too pessimistic, but you know, there's also going to be our playoff performers. You know, some teams are just regular season performers and some teams just know how to show up in the playoffs. And I hope this is the case. Cause you know, it, it's glad to see we've moved away from somewhat of the super team era. And maybe that's just because we just have just a plethora of talent throughout the NBA and every team seems to put up ridiculous numbers each and every night. And that's nothing to knock on, but, you know, I just hope we don't set our expectations too high going into it because, Hey, maybe Luca just shows up and knocks the suns out in four. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. That's what I'm playing for. You know, maybe LeBron comes back, leads it like a 2018 type run. Who knows? You know, also praying for that, but you know, my dream is still going to be Lakers Celtics finals. It's probably not going to happen. Um, I wish. But that that's my dream. But it, other than that, it could happen. It could happen. Never say never. Never say. Uh, and then we see the Sacramento Kings just continue to persevere. They are creeping in on that second spot where Memphis is at right now, knowing that John Morant and Brandon Clark are out at the moment, especially Brandon Clark. Um, the Kings could very well get that second spot, take that second spot away from Memphis and pretty much clinch their, uh, their division title, their playoff spot, and a pretty good first-round matchup against who could either be the Mavericks or Clippers right now, as it stands right now. So wh- 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 whichever team they want, I don't know, because they've shown that they can handle the Clippers, uh, which says a lot about the Clippers in a bad way than it does about the Mavericks themselves, because I think the Mavs would cause more trouble to the Kings while the Clippers are just inconsistent at the moment. Like they've lost a lot of games. And while they did just one recently, um, it's just not been a good start for Russell Westbrook's time there since he got there. So (laughs) it's just, it's just very interesting to see the playoff scenarios that could happen with the playoff picture as it stands. The man, the Clippers have just been have just been unfortunate. 
I one thing I, I I'm worried about the Grizzlies because I, I I due to like kind of the oddity of the situation with John Morant, like it's kind of there's no real timetable on when he returns and like it's kind of like an NBA kind of investigation going on and and he's kind of he's suspended for a few games, but we don't know when he actually returns. Right. Um but it, this is just not what you need at the end of the season. Like, you don't need your best player, first of all, just involved with something like this. Yeah. Just not only something like this, you don't want your, you shouldn't have your best player like missing um, like large amounts of games at this point of season. You don't want to be having like a hard reset when you're kind of like, like you're about to go in the playoffs. And without Jaw, you could just lose that two seed and kind of get not as great of a matchup as you had before this is it this is just this is whole situation is bad news for the Grizzlies yeah not only that I think it's just a bad look for the league in general you know one of your top superstars who, who you continuously want to put um on all your social media posts who you kind of want to showcase to the world as like one of like your role models for the league ends up in a predicament like this you know it, it just makes for a weird situation because you don't really know what to do. And I feel even worse so for the Memphis side of things because when you're trying to stick in that groove with all your all your star players on the court and you're trying to get things uh, rolling, you know, to have an incident like this, even when he does return back to the team, outside of the question of whether he'll be back to like, like peak form or whether he's going to be a little off. I mean, obviously he's still going to put some work in uh, off the court. He's still going to be practicing, but, you know, just that, mental disconnect from the team just for that little time off like that's huge especially this late in the season and you know when you're making a playoff push and you got to look at one another knowing you can trust someone or not with an incident like this it's not it's not the easiest thing to do in the world so you know best case scenario hopefully we move on from this as quickly as possible but then again you know the nba is going to do their due diligence are they their investigation i mean hey you would hope. I, I, would feel, hope. I feel for you. I, feel, I, I agree that I feel for the Grizzlies. <laughs> but also, I think kind of shame on them because part of like the one before the Instagram live, it was like a day before the Washington Post came out with the thing about the 17 year old. So, yeah. But that was months ago. How come the Grizzlies didn't realize the realize the Grizzlies didn't realize he needed help or whatever they came out in the statement said last summer when he did the things that are coming to light now? Why, like, come on. And she kind of shame on Ja, too, because, like, the reports come out, and then 24 hours later is when you go on live with your nonsense. That's that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it is a bad look. I, I agree. Yeah, and it seemed to be, like, I don't, I don't know, because it – I know now looking at it, it seems like it just came out of nowhere, but it was kind of like a slow build. Like, people were always, like – you had the whole Shane and Sharp situation with the Grizzlies. And he was saying, Jaw, you're not built for this. <laughs> like, you are not made for it. And then Jaw is out here, like, trying to, like, prove himself. That, I, I don't know what the man's going through mentally, but you feel like he has something to prove. But, like, dude, you're a basketball player. Like, you've made it. You don't really have anything to prove to anybody. So I don't know why you feel the need to do what you're doing. But, you know, maybe you can only keep things under wraps for so long. Because, I mean, if it did happen um, with the 17-year-old incident however long ago, you know, the fact that that was kept under wraps for so long, because I, I had heard no media coverage of it whatsoever. Maybe it was just because we were like waiting for the facts to come out type of scenario, but I hadn't heard any of it. And then suddenly one bad thing happens after another, and suddenly all these things come to light at once. You know, when you're put under a microscope like that, every little thing you do wrong is going to come to light. So, you know, maybe this was the best time for it to be addressed, because, you know, if it's 
this early on in his career, you know, you can be able to move on from this, grow as a person, you know, kind of reach your maturity level in an aspect. So, you know, there's a little bit of good and everything, but hopefully it doesn't impact any basketball implications moving forward. Because the last thing we want to do is hurt the product that's already been damaged by our whole ref refing fiasco. Even last night, Scott Foster's crew calling a foul and you have the other ref looking around like, who do we just call a penalty on? Like, how does that happen? Like, how, where is the disconnect here? It just seems like a joke at this point. Yeah, and it is a bad look for the NBA. And of course, John Morant, hopefully he does better from this, like moves on from this and learns from it. But yeah, when it comes to the Grizzlies, um, they better hope this gets resolved as soon as possible. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.